Welcome to One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter where you are or where you're at in life, you belong here. We hope you enjoy this message from our senior pastor, Robbie Emery. Come on, I I am so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. I know God has big plans in store, and uh, I'm excited to... uh, I'm excited for next, right? I, I lo- I, we live in the now, but we look for next. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in our church because I believe what's next is even better than what is. And I, I know in my heart, in my spirit, that God has some big plans in store for our church. And as you know, we are in a very small building right now, and most of you are watching online that consider One Oak Church your home. And for some of you who you've been watching online for an entire year, and you've come to church this morning, and I'm so glad to finally meet you and get to see you. I've seen your names a few times, and uh, I am glad that you're here. But I believe that God is going to open up a door of opportunity for us as a church to step in a building that can house all of our kids all of our students, all of our youth, all of our, all of our membership to be able to be able to worship together in a place together. Because when we come together, I feel like I can sing come together right now, right? When we come together, that's, that's what the church is. It's a gathering of people, of believers. The Holy Spirit, you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are made manifest in gatherings, and gatherings and and people. Jesus brought people together. That was his ministry. And so I believe that we're called out to gather, come out of our homes and gather. Yes, we can have a move of God in our home. I've done it. I've had that move of God. But I'm telling you, our band today, this boy band up here, come on, (laughs) come on, come on. NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, nothing on these guys, right? We're crushing it today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike, for being sensitive and allowing God to use you this morning and being being used of God. I I just, I love a church that is, I I, want to go to a church that I I feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'd come to my own church if I didn't feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit, right? All right, so I want to I feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that breaks change. It's the Holy Spirit that tears down walls that you can't tear down on your own. It's the Holy Spirit that brings life to your soul. It's the Holy Spirit that you feel today. So if you like the worship, it's the Holy Spirit. If you like the preaching, it's the Holy Spirit. If you like the community of believers here, it's the Holy Spirit. Whatever you like about our church has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're a new friend with us, we just say new friends. Like, we just, you're not a guest or a visitor, you're a new friend. If you're a new friend with us watching online or in person this morning, go ahead and fill out that Connect card at your seat or the seat next to you. Fill that out and drop it in one of the containers as you leave today or find one of our team members wearing one of their lanyards. Give it to them. We'll connect with you via email, send you some resources uh, in the mail, and help you with your next steps and getting to know more about One Oak Church. We have connect groups happening. We have some summer events going on and uh, great things happening uh, in the weeks to come. As Pastor Byron mentioned, all the ladies, we hope to see you this Friday. It's going to be a great time. You'll be hearing from uh, Miss Jordy's going to be speaking. Uh, Pastor, come on, give up Miss Jordy. Pastor, Pastor Danielle's going to be speaking, and so it's going to be a great, great event. 
And uh, just a lot of surprises for all you amazing ladies. And so thank you for your generosity. Uh, we like to do things around our church, and we don't want to. We don't like to charge registration for it. We want everything just to be free because you give already. We're not going to charge you to come to the church that you already give to. All right. So we just want to do everything, everything for free, and we want to say thank you for your your generosity. Um, I'm gonna little heads up. Pastor Byron mentioned Father's Day in a couple of weeks, um, July 4th. Freedom Sunday. July 4th is on a Sunday. We're going to take that Sunday. You're scaring me back there. <laughs> People come behind me, I get a little like, what are you doing? I was a youth pastor. Pastor Byron, when I was a youth pastor in Houston, he'll remember this story and I'll go back. I was a youth pastor in Houston. Pastor Byron was in our student ministry and he was one of the student leaders. And, as, uh, and it just makes sense for him to be at our church here in Michigan. And uh, there was one time I was preaching in, in youth, and uh, for one reason, a 12-year-old came up and, like, ran at me as I'm preaching. I'm like, what's, why, is he, why is he on my shoulders? Like, what's going on? And so anytime I get a little weary of someone running up on stage, because I don't know what they're doing. Um, but on July 4th, it's a Sunday. We're going to take that Sunday. We're calling it Freedom Sunday, and we're not going to have church that day. We're going to take that Sunday off. You go spend time with your family, maybe like an extended weekend up north, have fun, take, take that time off, spend some time with your family and friends. July 4th is a Sunday. We won't be having service that day. So mark it in your calendar. Know about that. Fourth of July rolls up. No church that Sunday. Freedom Sunday. Take it as a Sabbath Sunday, and I know um, that you'll be happy that you did. All right? Today is Pastor Byron's birthday. Today, I believe he's uh, 27 years young today, and uh, we celebrate Pastor Byron and honor and love him so very much. He is a great leader in our church. Our church has been blessed and, and has flourished in this year because of Pastor Byron and Jordy's uh, just dedication and connection, and so we love them so very much, and so if you're here today and you know what a holy handshake is. You ever want to ever get a holy handshake? You know what a holy handshake is? It's when you get a handshake and there's a little, little, little something in that handshake. You know what I'm talking about? All right. You see Pastor Byron, you got a little action. Give him a holy handshake. Bless my man on his birthday. It's okay. Be a blessing. He says, hallelujah. They're newlyweds, y'all. Come on. He's going to use that holy handshake just to buy groceries. You know? I believe God is going to speak uh, to us during this series, and I don't know how long it's going to last. It may last through, it's definitely going to last through June. It might go into July, but I really feel like this is a message and a series that is for everybody because religion ruins everything. And let me say this. Jesus didn't die for religion. He died for the church. Sometimes we associate religion and church together. It's not. Though we do religious things, right? We do religious things. We raise our hands and we worship. We sing songs. We read our Bible. We pray. Those are religious things, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But religion as a rule or religion as a list of to-dos, when it becomes just that and not a relationship with Jesus Christ, that when, that's when it ruins things. I told our team this morning as we celebrated Pastor Byron is that from year one, we've been celebrating birthdays, right? That's a tradition. 
year one, happy birthday. You know, we celebrate that. And there's nothing wrong with that tradition. We want to do that. But it's the relational part of that tradition that makes it great. That's what makes it great. Like I, we go to, we'll go to a restaurant and I, don't do this. If you're ever out with me on my birthday, do not tell strangers to sing happy birthday to me. It doesn't mean the same. Because there's no relational connection there. They're not bringing me a gift. They're just doing, it's obligation. It's because they're told to do it because they work at a restaurant that sings happy birthday. They're going to put a hat on you. They're going to smash a cake in your face. I don't like it. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? With relationship, now the traditional things become. Because I have a relationship with Pastor Byron on his birthday, I gave him a gift. Because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he has given me a gift of grace. My responsibility as the communicator of this church is to shed light on things that maybe we're a little confused about. And I hope today that we can bring some light in over the coming weeks of maybe some things that we might get a little confused about. Because the scripture is very specific and detailed when it talks about religious practices and how if it just becomes a to-do list, it fragments people, fragments churches. And you wonder why Christians, even themselves, battle against each other. We're all for the same thing, guys. We all want to see people saved and give their life to Christ. And communities change through the power of God. So I believe what we speak will be what we see. Our words do create worlds. So the religion is the word on the shelf. Relationship is the word in self. That's the difference. Close the book. See you next month. Because if you miss it, that's it. Religion is a book on the shelf. But through Jesus Christ, relation is the word in myself. Second Kings tells a story. This is not my text, but Second Kings tells a story of a man by the name of Elisha. And Elisha declared in himself before he declared in the city that the famine was going to end. He had to believe it for himself. He had to say, I I believe that things are going to change. I believe in the God of the miracles. I believe in the wonder-working power of God. And because Elisha believed in the wonder-working power of God, he stepped out of the area that he was in and brought healing to a community. So I'm going to speak that over myself first, and then I'm going to step out into the marketplace and make a difference everywhere I go. So we will not panic over depravity in our city, but prophesy about deliverance. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to speak it. Talking about relationships. This series, the rest of the month, we're trying to do something. That at least once a year have a series based, not just based around a certain topic, but on the word of God. So you can take this home and you can read the book of Galatians. I want you to read that book. Six chapters. Not hard. You can go home and read it today. It won't take you very long. Spend some time on it. Read it in different versions of the Bible. 
Allow God to speak to you through it. The book of Galatians, along with most of the books in the New Testament, are there to help us and to ground us. To allow us as believers in Christ or followers of Jesus Christ to grow with God. Now, most of the books were written by the Apostle Paul. They're called epistles. And he wrote most of the New Testament. Apostle simply means someone who was sent out. That's what apostle means. The Apostle Paul was a church planner. And we as a church plant love church planners. Paul would go to different areas outside of Israel and bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ to different regions and people, mainly non-Jews. One of the primary regions that Paul went to was, is now modern-day Turkey. Paul went all over the coastal areas and deep in the heart of Turkey and planted churches. And after he planted them, he would raise up pastors and set leadership in order, and then he'd leave and go do it all over again. And that's what he did. In order to maintain them, you got to get this. I'm just setting down the foundation. In order to maintain them, he would constantly get reports on how they were doing, and he would write letters back to them. And those letters are what the Bible calls epistles. Just little letters to these churches that really help us in 2021 grow in our walk with Jesus. Most of the books in the New Testament are letters written to churches. I'm just helping you out. Mike's playing, making sure you're, you're good. And they are named after the city where the church was located. The book of Romans, church in Rome. The book of Corinthians, church in Corinth. The book of Philippians was written to the church in Philippi. And some of the letters were written to pastors of the church or disciples of the church, or people that, that Paul was raising up to be leaders. Timothy. And these little books were given to those people, and what we need today is solid teaching and how to live a Christian life. So this letter, the church in Galatia, this letter was written to the church located, as we know, as modern-day Turkey. So the book of Galatians, modern-day Turkey. These letters were to teach basic foundational doctrine on how to live this Christian life. We have to get this. The entire purpose of this epistle is to make a clear distinction between the gospel of Jesus Christ and false gospels. Galatians, read it, attacks two false ideas in particular, legalism and lawlessness. It dismantles the lies of these ideas and paints a true picture of salvation by grace through faith alone. Now, the crazy thing about the book of Galatians is right after Paul had planted the church and he left to go plant another church, some Christians who were Jews, who really had gotten their faith grounded, came after Paul and hadn't gotten their faith grounded, came after Paul and tells these new Christians, you're not doing it right. You're getting it wrong. And so religion begins to seep in. That it's by the acts or the things that you do. That's how everything's done. And what that does is cast shade on the work of the cross. 
And what religion does, the reason why religion ruins everything, is because it pulls a cover over the work of the cross and puts a spotlight on the work of us. And when that happens, when Jesus Christ is no longer the focal point of my life or the church, and it's by what we do and what we say and how we go about, then religion does ruin everything. Because Jesus is no longer in my marriage. Jesus is no longer at work with me. Because it's all about what I did and not what he's done for me. So I want you to stand with me. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to pray. The mic's going to be done just for a few minutes because I have a very short sermon today. Because I got like two months to preach all this, so we're good. But I believe God's going to speak to you and I believe something amazing is going to happen. So if you have your Bibles, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Got it? Paul, an apostle, we might exegete this a little bit, sent not from men, nor by a man. Notice the revelation. He doesn't call Jesus a man, though he was, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Everything that Paul teaches is a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Verse 2, And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, verse 3, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me help you. When you write an email, do it like Paul. Grace and peace to you. Then if you have any bad things to say, put it in the middle of the email. Don't like just go right at it. Also, if you send me, if you have my cell phone number and you send me a text message say, hey, pastor, I need to talk, let me help you rephrase that. Hey, pastor, great message on Sunday. I don't have anything bad to say to you. I just want to have a conversation with you, okay? That is so much easier on my soul and on my spirit because if you send me a text like that, I'm calling you right away. I'm like, what up, bro? What, you good? I'm good. I just want to let you know how much I love you. Y'all are cool. You freaked me out for about 30 seconds. Right? Write a text message like Paul. Cool? All right. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory and forever and ever. Amen. That's his message. That's his message. But you got to go down a little bit further in Galatians 1, verse 6. He now says, I am astonished. You ever been astonished? You're just like, what in the world? I am astonished. I am so surprised. He has a little sass here. Pastors coming with a little fire back at the congregation and the leaders of the church more likely. Like, oh, no, you didn't, right? That you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace. I am so surprised that you are turning away from the teaching I gave you and the freedom you found. 
He says, I have offered you freedom through grace in the person of Jesus Christ. But you've allowed religion to shackle you up. You have gone right back. And you are turning to and away from Christ. Turning to a, the apostle says, a different gospel. Gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you might be wondering in this room, I didn't know there was more than one gospel. There is. There's two different approaches to God. And one of them is, which the Bible says, which is really no gospel at all. It's not good news. It's not good news. Religion ruins everything. I've just come to preach for the next six to eight weeks. Some really, really good news. Some really good news. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for what you're about to do in this service, God. God, what you've already done. God, I feel healing in this place. I feel deliverance in this place. Shackles are falling off, God. Life change is happening in this room, God. God, I know what you're going to do through us this morning, God, is going to forever change the way we see you and the gospel that we read. It is good news. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. Amen. Wave at two people. Wave at two people. Be seated. Paul was really upset because these Jewish Christians came in after Paul and literally did was they did something so incredible, so ridiculous. It might be shopping, shocking for some of you and embarrassing, but these Jewish Christians, because they were raised Jewish and a part of the Old Testament law, to be godly, they had to be circumcised. And we talked about this covenant and this commitment. But what they were doing in this moment is like, you, you're a follower, you love God, you live for Jehovah, you, you give your life, now I need you to be circumcised. How horrible is this? Like, the next steps program in their church was circumcision. Most men were circumcised at eight days old. You don't remember that. And so what they were doing is they were bringing legalism into the church. They were bringing religion. I know you love God. I know there's grace, but here's you got to do something to receive it. And so they made it about everything they were doing and everything that they had to do to be a part of the church. So these new Christians and said, in order for you to fit in this club, right? This Christian club, you had to be circumcised. Shocking meeting. In Acts 15, the leaders of the early church had a huge debate on if they should include a surgery into their membership class. What they're doing is what a lot of us do, though, is once we find this grace, once we give our life to Christ, we say yes to Jesus. Salvation is for us. We, grace is poured out on us through the person of Jesus Christ. This free gift, but there's a tendency to go back to religion because we do it every day. We wake up on Monday, we go to work. Every couple of weeks, we get a paycheck. And so we work to get. It's our life. 
We work to get. We work to receive. We spend hours on the job. We do something to get something. And it's hard for us to reframe our minds to realize that we don't have to work to get. The work has already been done. We just have to receive. And so the tendency of us receiving the grace of God is to go back to an old mindset as I have to continue to do things to receive the grace of God. And he says, no, I poured it out through my son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Just receive him and the grace is for you. So this religious type of gospel is not grace-centered. Gospel, evidently, some people are throwing some confusion, and they pervert the gospel. They step in and throw their own agendas and ideas and bring their own issues into the gospel. And I don't want to bring my stuff to the Word of God. I I don't want to go to the Word of God and, and allow and speak to the Word of God. I want the Word of God to speak to me. I want the word of God, when I read it, I want the word of God to read me. Come on, come on, tell me where I'm falling. Telling where I'm, t- tell me where I need to improve. But what they were doing is they were taking their ideas, their ideology, their thoughts, and bringing it to the word of God. And Paul says, no, you've messed it all up. You're causing these people to do things that are, that are not right. No, grace is for you today. Most of us have received Jesus. You received his freedom and his grace. But it's human nature to go back. Go back doing. We forget about what Jesus has done for us. And we start doing it for ourselves. We tell more of our story than his story. I mean, I understand we're made overcomers, but by the blood of the lamb. And the word of our testimony. My testimony is not great unless Jesus is a part of it. Because when I, when I, when I say I used to be an addict, right, and, and I, I sought help and counsel, but I failed to mention Jesus, where's the focus? The focus is what I did. But really, I was an addict, saved by grace, sought counsel, sought help, You know what I'm saying? We have to change the narrative. We have brought religion into a relationship. And Jesus says, where am I in the story? Where am I in this? I am the good news. Man, I'm I'm preaching better than you responded this morning. So a few years ago, and Mike, after I tell the story, you can come up. A few years ago, I I went and got another tattoo. and uh, my mom loves my tattoos, don't judge me. <laughs> oh, you should have been there the day she saw the first one. <laughs> <clears throat> now her other son has one. Her daughter-in-laws have them, so she's got to love us. <laughs> but before I had someone that I would go to specifically, right, Mike? We've got to have that person. I didn't know. I was an amateur. I was going to get another one. So I walked in. And I was waiting, and I was like, oh, man, there are some really good artists in the room. And I was like, there was one person. I was like, I hope I don't get her, because I was just on a waiting list. You know, I was just waiting for an hour, just wanting to get something. I just, man, I just, I just, 
sitting in an hour in a chair waiting for this to happen. I just, man, I just, I, I hope I get him, right? I hope, I hope this other person over here does my tattoo. But she called Robbie Emery. It's me. Yes. And I, I almost changed what I was going to have done because I was like, I don't know, man. I'm not really sure about this. Let's just do something really small and get out of here. Um, but I, I stuck with what I wanted to do. So they go in, sit in the chair, show her what I want done. They print it out. They put it on. It's, it's a whole process. Anyways, I'm in the, in there, as I'm sitting down doing it, you know, the conversation, you're, you're in a chair for an hour, right? What, what are you going to talk about, right? And so the first thing they talk about, I know what she does for a living. She has no idea what I do for a living. I'm like, oh, man, here it comes. I know she's going to ask. Well, so what do you do for a living? What do you do? Like, I, I'll, I'll, I thought, maybe I lie? I don't know. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. She stops for a minute. A pastor? Again, conversation. I hate Christians. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, this lady has a needle in my arm. Right? How can I fix this? And so she just starts talking to me about the reason why she does. And I, I tried to, I, I again begin to communicate to her. And, you know, I, and I, I said, I understand. I totally understand. I, I hate Christians. You begin to talk about these different things and, and say different things. And I, I was like, I, I, I get it. I get maybe the, you, you were hurt by, by religion. I said, you were, you were hurt by religion. And I'm sorry you were hurt by religion. I, but I said, the, the God I serve is not a religious God. He's a relational one. And so I asked, I said, do you have any good relationships in your life? Yeah, I have some really good relationships in my life. I said, the God I serve is better than the good relationships you have in your life. So I had to, had to quantify what she was thinking in a moment. I had to bring it to her in a way that maybe she would be able to understand the God I serve. To help her out in the moment. Because that needle was still on my arm. And I'm there for another hour or so. And we have to make sure. So there's a Christianity that is real and one that isn't so real. There's some people out there pushing a faith in God that is really making it deep, difficult for people to follow Christ. And in that moment, I was basically telling her what Paul was telling the church. That this gospel is all about grace. It's all about grace. I said, well, one is based on rules and one is based on relationship with Jesus. One is religion, which are man's efforts to get to God. And relationship is all about falling in love with this person, Jesus. She tested me, though. I don't mind tests. She said, well, I don't like Christianity because it's anti-woman. I said, that's nah, funny. I said, I, religion. I said, but if you read the Bible that I read, one of the longest conversations Jesus ever had was with a woman. I said, do you know the first person to see a resurrected Savior? A woman. 
the first person to preach the gospel of a resurrected Savior? A woman. And I said, religion has ruined it for you. I'd like to say a letter to Christ, but it didn't happen. But I made a moment there. Why are you preaching this way, Pastor? Because religion does ruin it. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will change your life. We have a branding problem with the body of Christ. It's very easy to go back in the gospel after you receive the right gospel and start doing it over and over again. We want to walk in freedom every day. Again, don't make the mistake. Religion is not the church. Jesus didn't die for, the relig- for religion. He died for the church. Church is where my most memorable and monumental moments I've ever had in my life. Church. I said my forever vows for the love of my life in a church. Come here, son. When we were told that, Mike, as you sang today about miracles, when we were told that having one of these is impossible. You know where we went to first? Went to the church. Because when you get bad news, you go to the church. But you know the first thing we did, Mom, when we had them? We took them to the church and said, thank you, God. Because he's a wonder-working God. You can't. A man with experience is never subject to a man with just knowledge. This little guy every day is a miracle. church that's good news that's good news stand with me I want to help you out today there's a it's not known I didn't even know this that in the area of like Playa del Carmen and Cancun. In that area, from May to September, there is a overabundance of seaweed and kelp. Overabundance of seaweed and kelp. It's, it's literally a season. And what that seaweed and kelp comes from all the way from Africa. We're like, we June, July, August. We don't try to go to Cancun. Those are pretty days in Michigan. We go in January when it's cold. We don't see all the seaweed. But what happens in those months is 
mountains of seaweed washes up into the areas of all the beaches. They spend months removing the seaweed from the ocean. And the reason why they do it, they could leave it, it's a part of the ocean, but the reason why they do it, if they don't do it, this thing that has come in from another area has swept into this beautiful thing. This beautiful ocean, these beautiful beaches came from somewhere else. And they spend months removing it. If they don't remove it, the beautiful ocean that you see in Mexico would be destroyed. Because there's life in the bottom of the ocean that creates the blue turquoise water that you love so much. And if that's not removed, the sun can't get there and bring, and bring life to it. And so we have to do the hard job of removing the seaweed so the sun can get to life and create this beauty that everyone enjoys so much. Why am I preaching what I'm preaching? Because I am removing this seaweed. I'm removing this religion idea so the sun can get to your life and make you beautiful through grace. So the next time you're sitting on a beach in Mexico and there's no seaweed and you look into that ocean and you look up to heaven and you say, thank you, God, for grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. This will not be a religious church. It will be one built on Jesus Christ and him crucified through a relationship with him. Because while men for generations were trying to get to heaven, our God came from heaven so he could get to men. I want you to know today that the grace of God is for you. You just have to receive it. So all over this room, come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Thank you for listening and we hope you were blessed by this message. To stay connected, head to oneoakchurch.com and follow us on social media to stay updated with the latest information.